today we're continuing on with our study of the Antichrist and now we move into the final book that we're going to be looking at and there's a couple of different uh, podcasts we're going to be doing with regards to Antichrist in Revelations. Just a few things before I step into studying scripture with regards to the Antichrist is that when we study the book of Revelation, we've got to understand a couple of things. First of all, Revelation describes the focus of God's judgments, the judgments that he is going to be sending on the planet, specifically during the seven year period that Daniel speaks about and specifically focusing in on the last three and a half years. It gives us a complete description of the conditions that will ex- that will exist during the book of Revelation. Uh, during the book of Revelation, beg your pardon, during the tribulation period. And this is why I emphasize understanding the grid, understanding the scriptures. And then from the scriptures, we can extrapolate out and look at our situation today. And then from there, try to see what the Bible is talking about that will happen and what it will look like the possibility of what will look like during our time frame now this is important for you to understand the book of revelation gives us a tremendous amount of information about the character and career of the antichrist who will be the rod in the hands of an angry god and it also shows us his demise and all this will take place prior to the coming kingdom of Jesus Christ. Another important thing to understand about studying the book of Revelation, it is impossible to understand this book, the book of Revelation, without knowing and understanding the other 64 books. And that is why I developed that grid, so that we can gain an understanding specifically of what God is saying about the return of His Son. There is little that is really new in the book of Revelation that you will not find or read in any of the other books. It's an amplification of what's gone on before, what has been said before. All of its symbols, all of the figures can either be explained clearly within the book itself or you will be able to find them described in similar format in similar ways in the other books most of the lack of understanding of christians with regards to the book of revelation most of the, when, when, when you hear a christian come along and and say to you oh I'm, I'm scared about studying the book of revelation that's ignorance talking a lack of understanding and a lack of understanding of what's gone on in the previous books Revelation, as I've said to you, reveals to us a lot about the Antichrist, about his person, and about his work. It describes his destruction. It describes his complete and utter defeat. It describes the complete and utter defeat of Satan and the trinity of evil. So without further ado, let's go into looking at passages of scripture in the Antichrist. And so we're going to be looking at the Antichrist as we see him in 
the book of Revelation, chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. Now, I'm going to present to you a, a view of A.W. Pink. It's, it's an interesting view, and you could possibly see that take place. You, you could possibly see it in this, and I do see this. Uh, and, it's, uh, and as I said to you, I find it very, very interesting. Now, according to Pink, he says that the New Testament begins with a fourfold description of Jesus Christ in the Gospels, the four Gospels. And remember, throughout the this, this study of Antichrist, we all, we've been saying that the, it's, it's the seed war. And what God put forward, the devil is putting forward. And so, according to Pink, there was a fourfold description of Christ. And now here, in this passage of Scripture, there is a fourfold description of the Antichrist. And so, Pink says that the, the riders of the four horses in Revelation 6 are not four different persons, but they are one person presented in four ways, as Jesus Christ was presented in four different ways throughout the, the through through the the four gospels now as i said i find this view interesting and i see his point however i still hold to my original views as stated in previous podcasts but i want to present them to you because it it looking at it from this perspective gives us a a it, for me gives me a, an understanding also of his characteristics so the four seals described four aspects of his character and also outline four stages of the development of his career. Let me just repeat that. That's interesting. The four seals describe four aspects of the character of the Antichrist and the unfolding, the development of his career during the seven years. So let's look at them. First of all, he is seen in the first seal, the breaking of the first seal, as aping the Christ of God, the righteous one. So the first horseman we see in the first seal, Revelation chapter 6, verse 1 to 2. Let me just pull that verse of scripture up for you here. Then I saw as the Lamb Christ broke one of the seven seals of the scroll initiating the judgments and I heard one of the four living creatures call out with a loud with a with a voice of thunder come I looked and behold a white horse of victory whose rider carried a bow and a crown of victory was given to him and he rode forth conquering and to conquer so the white horse he's imitating Jesus Riding forth conquering, because we see this picture of Jesus later on in the book of Revelation. And the white horse is supposedly speaking of righteousness. So the Antichrist is going to come initially. And and what he's going to be doing is he's going to be presenting himself as the righteous Christ. Remember what we said about the word anti, replacement of, opposite of. So he's coming to replace Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 13 to 15 says this, For such men are counterfeit apostles, deceitful workers, 
masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, since Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. So it is no great surprise if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness, but the end will correspond with their deeds. And so what you've got to understand about Antichrist is that there is going to be a tremendous amount of deception going on. And we've spoken about that deception from Paul's writings in 2 Thessalonians as well. Moving on to the second seal, we see the Antichrist now mimicking Christ as the mighty warrior. So let's read this passage of scripture here. Verse 3 to 4. When he, the Lamb, broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature call out, Come. And another, a fiery red horse of bloodshed came out, and its rider was empowered to take peace from the earth, so that men would slaughter one another. And a great sword of war and violent death was given to him. Now, <clears throat> compare this with the passages of Scripture concerning our Lord Jesus Christ. Exodus 15.3 In the NIV, the Lord is a warrior, the Lord is his name. In the New Living Translation, that same passage, the Lord is a warrior, Yahweh is his name. The Amplified, the Lord is a man of war, the Lord is his name. In Psalm 24.7-8, we read this, Lift up your heads, O you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. And then Jeremiah 20 verse 11. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior, so my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fall and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. So we see the Antichrist coming along, imitating Jesus as a warrior. In the third seal, we see him imitating Christ as the bread of life. Because in the third seal, we see him as a food controller. He's going to control food to control the populations of the world. So let's read that passage of scripture. Revelation 6, 5 to 6 Amplified. When he, the Lamb, broke open the third seal, I heard the third living creature call out, Come. I looked, and behold, a black horse of famine, and the rider had in his hands a pair of scales, a balance. And I heard some, something like a voice in the midst of the four living creatures say, A quart of wheat for a denarius, that's a day's wages, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and, not, and do not damage the oil and the wine. Moving back, moving forward, sorry, and we go to the fourth seal. And in this fourth seal, we finally see his mask come off. So you can see the development. And probably, if I'm if I'm reading this one correctly, this would be in the middle of the the tribulation, the middle of the seven years at the start of the great tribulation. His mask comes off, and now he is the destroyer. Of the souls of mankind. So here we have a, de a depiction as one whose name is Death and Hades, the destroyer of men's bodies and souls. 
Revelation chapter five of uh, uh, re sorry, Revelation seven to uh, chapter six verses seven to eight. When he the Lamb broke open the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature call out, "Come!" So I looked, and behold, an ashen, pale, greenish, gray horse, like a corpse, representing death and pestilence, and its rider, and its rider's name was Death and Hades, the realm of the dead, was following with him. They were given authority and power over a fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with the famine and with plague, pestilence, disease, and by the wild beasts of the earth. So as I said to you, um, I find Pink's description of this very interesting because I do see what he is saying in the passage of the development of his character and the development of his purpose throughout the seven-year period of time, culminating in the revelation of actually who he is. He's not an he's not a Christ, he is an antichrist, and the revelation of him as a destroyer. So let's move now on to the next passage of scripture describing the Antichrist in the book of Revelation, and we find this in Revelation chapter eleven, verse seven. When they had finished their testimony and given their evidence, the beast that comes up out of the abyss, the bottomless pit, will wage war with them and overcome them and kill them. So this is the first time in the book of Revelation that the Antichrist is seen in his true form, his, his, his true nature, his true characteristics come out and he is described as a beast. Uh, in Daniel chapter 7 verse 3, we have this description of beasts. And four great beasts, each different from the other, were coming up out of the sea in succession. Daniel chapter 7, 21. As I kept looking, that horn was making war with the saints, believers, and overpowering them. So here we have the beast ascending out of the bottomless pit. So what is this pit? Very briefly, it appears to be a dimension where specifically evil fallen angels are housed. And it seems to me that the, the beast, the, the Antichrist, his soul or whatever it is, is kept here as well because it comes out of the abyss. Satan himself is going to be cast into the abyss for a millennia, for a thousand years. And we see him, we see that take place in Revelation chapter 20, verse 3. But you have to understand that the abyss is a different place from Hades or Gehenna. Remember, Hades is the Greek word, Gehenna is the um, the the Hebrew word for the place of lost souls. So when 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 a when a human being dies, now, without Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior, his spirit, his soul, goes into Hades or goes into Gehenna. Two different words from two languages, same place. Uh, the abyss is also distinct from the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the final destination of Satan, the satanic trinity, and all people whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. That is their ultimate breakaway civilization. That's where they are going to be ultimately spending the rest of eternity 
So they're trying to create this breakaway civilization in the seven-year period, specifically in the three-and-a-half-year period, to wrestle it away from the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's not going to happen. What's going to happen is Jesus is going to come, overpower them, conquer them, and then he's going to cast them into these various places until the final destination, which is after the White Throne Judgment, and that is the Lake of Fire. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to skip over chapter 13 and 14 and come back to that in the next podcast. Because we've got a few mentions of the Antichrist in chapters 15, 16, 17 and 19. So we'll quickly go through these, finish off this podcast and then come back and have a look at uh, the beast in chapter 13. And then we'll also be looking at the, the number of the beast and not receiving the number of the beast. Right, Revelation chapter 15, verse 2. Then I saw something like a sea or large expanse of glass mixed with fire, and those who were victorious over the beast and over his image and over the number corresponding to his name were standing on the sea or large expanse of glass holding harps of God, worshipping him. This talks to me about the remnant who overcome the Antichrist. One, overcome his image. Two, and overcome receiving his mark. Three, so they do not give into him. They do not give into his pressure. They do not give into his violence, his deception, and then his violence to receive his mark. They refuse to receive his mark. I want you to remember this. Because if ever you come across a Bible teacher, and I will discuss one later on, who tells you that you can receive a mark, that a Christian at that time can receive a mark of the beast and still be saved and still get to heaven, it's not going to happen. In my mind, it's not going to happen. In my point, from my perspective, from my point of view, it is not going to happen. Let's move on to chapter 16. Again, verse 2. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and loathsome and malignant sores came on the people who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his image. So this is interesting, especially, you know, for me, when I hear of Bible teachers preaching that you can receive the mark of the beast and still get to heaven. So I want them to explain to me how a judgment of God will then fall on a a remnant, a person that's remnant. Because the judgments are specifically geared, as we've discussed, to people who receive the mark of the beast and are beast worshippers. These are people who worship the devil. When you receive the mark, you are aligning yourself to the devil. Another interesting fact about this passage of scripture is that it gives a foretaste of the torments and punishments that are going to come on the beast and on his people in the future. So let's just go over that verse again. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth and loathsome and malignant sores came on the people who had the mark of the beast and who worship the beast. Let's look at verse 10. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom. So all the people 
who were associated with the beast, who'd received his mark, part of his kingdom, was plunged into darkness and people gnawed their tongues because of the pain of the excruciating anguish and severe torment. So this is an interesting foretaste of what is coming for their eternal future. Chapter 16, verse 13 to 14. And I saw three loathsome spirits like frogs leaping from the mouth of the dragon, Satan, from the mouth of the beast, the Antichrist dictator, and from the mouth of the false prophet. For they were actually the spirits of demons performing miraculous signs. And they go out to the kings of the entire inhabited earth to gather them together for war of the great day of God the Almighty. So here in this passage, we see a, a description of his work, what he's preparing to do, and, and, and ultimately the, the headed towards the battle of Armageddon. We also see how the unholy and evil trinity basically functions in that passage of scripture. They are there to deceive the world, to fight against Jesus Christ, to rip away from him this earth and to create this breakaway civilization that they want to rule and reign forever and ever for themselves. Let's move on. <clears throat> Chapter 17, verse 3. And the angel carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was entirely covered with blasphemous names having seven heads and ten horns. So this is in my opinion the false prophet. The central figure here is the great whore and the beast. Now in history we can see evidence of the great hall fulfilled in the Roman Catholic system. And while allowing that it's 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 uh, how can I put it? It will yet represent the whole of apostate Christian Christianity. So this system of the of the false prophet is going to represent the whole of world religion inclusive of apostate Christianity, the deception that takes place and the, the, the ch Christian churches that now go in and lead their, their followers into receiving the mark of the beast. And, and this, that will be the formation of the world, one world religious system under the false prophet that will now worship the beast and give him their power. That's verse 3. Let me read verse 3 again and then I'm going to go straight to verse 8. And the angel carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was entirely covered with blasphemous names having seven heads and ten horns. So we will discuss this later on when we get to chapter 17. That's Babylon and the, the governmental system of the Antichrist. So in verse 8... We read this, the beast that you saw was once but now is not and he is about to come up out of the abyss, the bottomless pit, 
the dwelling place of demons, and go to destruction, perdition. And the inhabitants of the earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, will be astonished when they see the beast, because he was and is not and is yet to come to the earth. I'm not going to be going too much into that passage of Scripture, as I will be focusing, I'll probably look at that later on once we finish the Bible study section and look at various different types of interpretations with regards to what this is, what this looks like. Uh, some people refer to this as the spirit of Nimrod, and we'll go and look at Nimrod and, and what happened to Nimrod, and then we'll, we'll, we'll make these links, and then you can decide for yourself. Right. Uh, I'll also deal with that a lot when we get into looking at the Babylonian system in Revelation chapter 17 and 18. Let's move on. Revelation chapter 19, verse 19 to 20. Then I saw the beast and the kings and the political leaders of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who is mounted on the white horse and against his army. And the beast Antichrist was seized and overpowered, and with him the false prophet who in his presence had performed amazing signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were hurled alive into the lake of fire which blazes with brimstone. So that is the end of the uh, Antichrist, the reign of the Antichrist and his false prophet. It's the final end of the seed war. And we'll discuss that in Revelation chapter, chapter 19, that final culmination of the seed war that God spoke about in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. Now, the final reference of the Antichrist in the book of Revelation is in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. And uh, let me pull it up here for you, and we'll read it. And the devil who had deceived them was hurled into the lake of fire and burning brimstone sulfur, where the beast, the Antichrist, and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So we read the devil being cast into the lake of fire. That's where the beast and the false prophet had already been. And they will be tormented forever and ever. I'll give you a, a, a more detailed timeline when we get to that passage of scripture. And then obviously I'll redo the timeline for you and, and, and show you what I think is going to take place. But let me give it to you briefly here. And then we will end this podcast and move on, move back to Revelation chapter 13. So in effect, what is going to take place with regards to the timeline is that we're going to be going into the seven-year period. All right? Seven-year period, start of the seven-year, end of the seven-year, and then the middle of the seven years. And that is the reign and rule of the Antichrist. And that is the seed war that takes place. At the end of the seven years, we have the Battle of Armageddon. And that is where the false prophet and the beast get cast into the lake of fire. After that seven years, we have a millennium reign of Jesus Christ, 1,000 years where Jesus will rule on planet Earth. During that period, Satan will be bound in the abyss for 1,000 years. At the end of the 1,000 years, the devil will be released again for, a, for an unknown period of time 
where he will deceive the nations once again and wage war against God. And that's the final war that takes place. And at that war then, the white throne judgment gets set up. And the second resurrection of the dead takes place. The devil, his angels, false prophet, antichrist, all into the lake of fire. And all those people whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life, who, do not accept, who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, will be cast into eternal flames for eternity. So that's just your brief timeline. I'll give you another one. I'll, I'll, I'll chart it out on a, on a slide for you and you can see it then. Well, that's it for now. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Revelation chapter 13 and Antichrist in Revelation 13 in the next podcast. Hope you enjoyed this. Thank you. God bless.